Chapter Eight of the Bears of Blue River by Charles Major. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tanika, Madison, Alabama. The Black Gully. Note: The author, fearing that the account of fire springing from the earth given in the following story may be considered by the reader too improbable for any book but one of Arabian fables wishes to say that the fire and the explosion occurred in the place and the manner described the fire-bear had never before been seen in the blue river neighbourhood his former appearances had been at or near the mouth of conn's creek where that stream flows into flat rock five or six miles southeast of balzer's home flat rock river takes its name from the fact that it flows over layers of broad flat rocks the soil in its vicinity is underlaid at a depth of a few feet by a formation of stratified limestone which crops out on the hillsides and precipices and in many places forms deep canyon-like crevasses through which the river flows in these cliffs and miniature canyons are many caves and branching off from the river's course are many small side canyons or gullies which at night are black and repellent and in many instances are quite difficult to explore one of these side canyons was so dark and forbidding that it was called by the settlers the black gully the conformation of the rocks composing its precipitous sides was grotesque in the extreme and the overhanging trees thickly covered with vines cast so deep a shadow upon the ravine that even at midday its dark recesses bore a cast of gloom like that of night untimely fallen how balzer happened to visit the black gully and the circumstances under which he saw it sufficiently terrible and awe-inspiring to cause the bravest man to tremble i shall soon tell you the country in the vicinity of flat rock was full of hiding-places and that was supposed to be the home of the fire-bear the morning after polly and balzer had seen the fire-bear they went forth bright and early to follow the tracks of their fiery enemy and if possible to learn where he had gone after his unwelcome visit they took up the spoor at the point where the bear had crossed the river the night before and easily followed his path three or four miles down the stream there they found the place where he had crossed the river to the east bank the tracks which were plainly visible in the new fallen snow there turned southeast toward his reputed home among the caves and gullies of flat rock and conn's creek the trackers hurried forward so eagerly in their pursuit that they felt no fatigue they found several deer and at one time they saw at a great distance a bear but they did not pursue either for their minds were too full of the hope that they might discover the haunts of the monster upon whose death depended as they believed their lives and that of liney fox when balzer and polly reached the stony ground of flat rock the bear tracks began to grow indistinct and soon they were lost entirely among the smooth rocks from which the snow had been blown away the boys had however accomplished their purpose for they were convinced that they had discovered the haunts of the bear they carefully noticed the surrounding country and spoke to each other of the peculiar cliffs and trees in the neighborhood so that they might remember the place when they should return then they found a dry little cave wherein they kindled a fire and roasted a piece of venison which they had taken with them when their roast was cooked they ate their dinner of cold hoe-cake and venison and then sat by the fire for an hour to warm and rest before beginning their long hard journey home through the snow polly smoked his after-dinner pipe the pipe was a hollow corn-cob with the tip of a buck's horn for a stem and the two bear hunters talked over the events of the day and discussed the coming campaign against the fire-bear 
"'I suppose we'll have to hunt him by night,' said Polly. "'He's never seen it any other time,' they say. "'Yes, we'll have to hunt him by night,' said Balzer. "'But darkness will help us in the hunt, "'for we can see him better at night than at any other time, "'and he can't see us as well as he could in daylight.' "'Balzer, you surprise me,' answered Polly. "'Have you hunted bears all this time "'and don't know that a bear can see as well after night as in the daytime? "'Better, maybe?' "'Maybe that's so,' responded Balzer. "'I know that cats and owls can see better by night, but I didn't know about bears. "'How do you know it's true?' "'How do I know? "'Why, didn't that there bear make a bee-line for this place last night? "'And wasn't last night as dark as the inside of a whale? "'And don't they go about at night more than in the daytime? "'Tell me that. "'When do they steal sheep and shoats? "'In daytime? "'Tell me that. "'Ain't it always at night? "'Did you ever hear of a bear stealing a shoat in the daytime?' no siree but they can see the littlest shoat that ever grunted on the darkest night see him and snatch him out of the pen and get away with him quicker than you or i could a darn sight i never tried did you polly asked balzer polly wasn't above suspicion among those who knew him and balzer's question slightly disconcerted him well i-i durned if that ain't the worst fool question i ever heerd a boy ask answered polly then, somewhat anxious to change the conversation, he continued, "'What night do you propose to come down here? Tomorrow night?' "'No, not for a week. Not till seven nights after tonight,' answered Balzer, mindful of the charm which he hoped Liney's prayers would make for him. Seven nights? Jiminy! I'm afraid I'll get scared of this place by that time. I'll bet this is an awful place at night. Nothing but great chunks of blackness in these here gullies, so thick you could cut it with a knife.' i'm not afraid now because i'm desperate i'm so afraid of dying because i saw the fire bear that i don't seem to be afraid of nothing else polly was right there is nothing like a counterfeer to keep a coward's courage up after they were warm and had rested balzer and polly went out of the cave and took another survey of the surrounding country from the top of the hill they started homeward and reached the cosy cabin on blue river soon after sunset tired hungry and cold a good warm supper soon revived them and as it had been agreed that Polly should remain at Mr. Brent's until after the fire-bear hunt, they went to bed in the loft and slept soundly till morning. After Balzer announced his determination to hunt the fire-bear, many persons asked him when he intended to undertake the perilous task, but the invariable answer he gave was that he would begin after the seventh night from the one upon which the fire-bear had visited Blue River. "'Why after the seventh night?' was frequently asked but the boy would give no other answer. Balzer had invited Tom Fox to go with him, and Tom, in addition to his redoubtable hatchet, intended to carry his father's gun. Polly would take Mr. Brent's rifle, and of course Balzer would carry the greatest of all armaments, his smooth-bore carbine. Great were the preparations made in selecting bullets and in drying powder. Knives and hatchets were sharpened until they were almost as keen as a razor. Many of the men and boys of the neighborhood volunteered to accompany Balzer, but he would take with him no one but Tom and Polly. "'Too many hunters spoil the chase,' said Balzer, borrowing his thought from the cooks and the broth maxim. Upon the morning of the eighth day Balzer went over to see Liney, and to receive from her the precious charm, redolent with forty-nine prayers from her pure heart. When she gave it to him, he said, "'It's a charm, I know it is,' and he held it in his hand and looked at it affectionately. "'It looks like a charm, and it feels like a charm,' liney i seem to feel your prayers upon it ah balzer don't say that it sounds almost wicked 
It has seemed wicked all the time for me to try to make a charm. Don't feel that way, Liney. You didn't try to make it. You only prayed to God to make it, and God is good and loves to hear you pray. If he don't love to hear you pray, Liney, he don't love to hear anyone. No, no, Bowser. I'm so wicked. The night we saw the fire bear, Father read in the Bible where it says, The prayers of the wicked availeth not. Oh, Bowser, do you think it's wicked to try to make a charm? That is, to pray to God to make one? No, indeed, Liney. God makes them of his own accord. He made you. But Liney only half understood. The charm worked at least one spell. It made the boy braver and gave him self-confidence. Balzer, Tom, and Polly had determined to ride down to Flat Rock on horseback, and for that purpose one of Mr. Fox's horses and two of Mr. Brent's were brought into service. At three o'clock upon the famous eighth day the three hunters started for Flat Rock and spent the night in the vicinity of the mouth of Conn's Creek, but they did not see the fire-bear. Four other expeditions were made, for Balzer had no notion of giving up the hunt, and each expedition was a failure. But the fifth! Well, I will tell you about it. Upon the fifth expedition the boys reached Flat Rock River just after sunset. A cold, drizzling rain had begun to fall, and as it fell it froze upon the surface of the rocks. The wind blew and moaned through the treetops, and the darkness was so dense it seemed heavy. The boys had tied their horses in a cave, which they had used for the same purpose upon former visits, and were discussing the advisability of giving up the hunt for that night and returning home. Tom had suggested that the rain might extinguish the fire-bear's fire so he could not be seen. The theory seemed plausible. Polly thought that a bear with any sense at all would remain at home in his cave upon such a night as that, and all these arguments, together with the slippery condition of the earth, which made walking among the rocks and cliffs very dangerous, induced Balzer to conclude that it was best to return to Blue River without pursuing the hunt that night. He announced his decision, and had given up all hope of seeing the fire-bear upon that expedition. But they were not to be disappointed after all, for, just as the boys were untying their horses to return home, a terrific growl greeted their ears, coming, it seemed, right from the mouth of the cave in which they stood. "'That's him!' cried Polly. "'I know his voice. I heard it for one mortal hour that night when he was a-chasing me, and I'll never forget it. I'd a knowed it among a thousand bears. It's him. Oh, Balzer, let's go home, for the Lord's sake, Balzer! Let's go home! I'd rather die three months from now than now. Three months is a long time to live, after all. Polly, what on earth are you talking about? Are you crazy? Top your horse at once, said Balzer. If the bear gets away from us this time, we'll never have another chance at him. Quick! Quick! Polly's courage was soon restored, and the horses were quickly tied again. Upon entering the cave, a torch had been lighted, and by the light of the torch which Polly held, the primings of the guns were examined. Knives and hatchets were made ready for immediate use, and out the hunters sallied in pursuit of the fire-bear. On account of the ice upon the rocks, it was determined that Polly should carry the torch with him. Aside from the dangers of the slippery path, there was another reason for carrying the torch. Fire attracts the attention of wild animals, and often prevents them from running away from the hunter. This is especially true of deer. So Polly carried the torch, and a fatal burden it proved to be for him. After the hunters had emerged from the cave, they at once started toward the river, and upon passing a little spur of the hill they beheld at a distance of two or three hundred yards the fire-bear glowing like a fiery heap against the black bank of night. 
He was running rapidly up the stream toward Black Gully, which came down to the river's edge between high cliffs. This was the place I described to you a few pages back. Balzer and Polly had seen Black Gully before, and had noticed how dark, deep, and forbidding it was. It had seemed to them to be a fitting place for the revels of witches, demons, snakes, and monsters of all sorts, and they thought surely it was haunted, if any place ever was. They feared this spot even in the daytime. Polly, who was ingenious with a pocket-knife, had carved out three whistles, and in the bowl of each was a pea. These whistles produced a shrill noise when blown upon, which could be heard at a great distance, and each hunter carried one fastened to his string about his neck. In case the boys should be separated, one long whistle was to be sounded for the purpose of bringing them together. Three whistles should mean that the bear had been seen, and one short one was to be the cry for help. When Balzer saw the bear, he blew a shrill blast upon his whistle to attract the brute's attention. The ruse produced the desired effect, for the bear stopped. His curiosity evidently was aroused by the noise and by the sight of the fire, and he remained standing for a moment or two, while the boys ran forward as rapidly as the slippery rocks would permit. Soon they were within a hundred yards of the bear, then fifty, forty, thirty, twenty. Still the fire-bear did not move. His glowing form stood before them like a pillar of fire, the only object that could be seen in the darkness that surrounded him. He seemed to be the incarnation of all that was brave and demonic. When within twenty yards of the bear, Balzer said hurriedly to his companions, "'Halt! I'll shoot first, and you fellows hold your fire and shoot one at a time after me. Don't shoot till I tell you, and take good aim. Polly, I'll hold your torch when I want you to shoot.' Polly held the torch in one hand and his gun in the other, and fear was working great havoc with his usefulness. Balzer continued, "'It's so dark we can't see the sights of our guns, and if we're not careful we may all miss the bear, or still worse, we may only wound him. Hold up the torch, Polly, so I can see the sights of my gun.' Balzer's voice seemed to attract the bear's attention, more even than did the torch, and he pricked up his short, fiery ears as if to ask, "'What are you all talking about?' When Balzer spoke next, it was with a tongue of fire, and the words came from his gun. The bear seemed to understand the gun's language better than that of Balzer, for he gave forth, in answer, a terrific growl of rage, and bit savagely at the wound which Balzer had inflicted. Alas! it was only a wound, for Balzer's bullet, instead of piercing the bear's heart, had hit him upon the hindquarters. "'I've only wounded him!' cried Balzer and the note of terror in his voice seemed to create a panic in the breasts of Tom and Polly, who at once raised their guns and fired. Of course they both missed the bear, and before they could lower their guns the monster was upon them. Balzer was in front and received the full force of the brute's ferocious charge. The boy went down under the bear's mighty rush, and before he had time to draw his knife or to disengage his hatchet from his belt, the infuriated animal was standing over him. As Balzer fell, his hand caught a rough piece of soft wood which was lying upon the ground, and with this he tried to beat the bear upon the head. The bear, of course, hardly felt the blows which Balzer dealt with the piece of wood, and it seemed that another terrible proof was about to be given of the fatal consequences of looking upon the fire-bear. Tom and Polly had both run when the bear charged, but Tom quickly came to Balzer's relief while Polly remained at a safe distance. The bear was reaching for Balzer's throat, but by some fortunate chance he caught between his jaws the piece of wood which Balzer had been vainly striking at him, and doubtless thinking that the wood was a part of Balzer, the bear bit it and shook it ferociously. 
when tom came up to the scene of conflict he struck the bear upon the head with the sharp edge of his hatchet and chopped out one of his eyes the pain of the wound seemed to double the bear's fury and he sprang over balzer's prostrate form toward tom the bear rose upon his haunches and faced tom who manfully struck at him with his hatchet and never thought of running ah tom was a brave one when the necessity for bravery arose but tom's courage was better than his judgment for in a moment he was felled to the ground by a stroke from the bear's paw and the bear was standing over him growling and bleeding terribly polly had come nearer and his torch threw a ghastly glamour over the terrible scene as in the fight with balzer the bear tried to catch tom's throat between his jaws but here the soft piece of wood which balzer had grasped when he fell proved a friend indeed for the bear had bitten it so savagely that his teeth had been embedded in its soft fibre and it acted as a gag in his mouth he could neither open nor close his jaws after a few frantic efforts to bite tom the bear seemed to discover where the trouble was and tried to push the wood out of his mouth with his paws this gave tom a longed-for opportunity of which he was not slow to take advantage and he quickly drew himself from under the bear rose to his feet and ran away in the meantime balzer rose from the ground and reached the bear just as tom started to run balzer knew by that time that he had no chance of success in a hand-to-hand -hand conflict with the brute so he struck the bear a blow upon the head with his hatchet as he passed and followed tom at a very rapid speed balzer at once determined that he and tom and polly should reach a place of safety quickly load their guns and return to the attack in a moment he looked back and saw the bear still struggling to free his mouth from the piece of wood which had saved two lives that night as the bear was not pursuing them balzer concluded to halt and he and tom loaded their guns while polly held the torch on high to furnish light polly's feeble wits had almost fled and he seemed unconscious of what was going on about him he did mechanically whatever balzer told him to do but his eyes had a far-away look and it was evident that the events of the night had paralyzed his poor weak brain when the guns were loaded balzer and tom hurried forward toward the bear and poor polly followed bearing the torch bang went balzer's gun and the bear rose upon his hind feet making the cliffs and ravines echo with his terrible growls take good aim tom hold up the torch polly said balzer fire and the bear fell over on his back and seemed to be dead polly and tom started toward the bear but balzer cried stop he may not be dead yet we'll just give him another volley we've got him now sure if we're careful tom and polly stopped and it was fortunate for them that they did so for in an instant the bear was on his feet apparently none the worse for the ill usage the boys had given him the fire bear stood for a little time undetermined whether to attack the boys again or to run after halting for a moment between two opinions he concluded to retreat and with the piece of wood still in his mouth he started at a rapid gait toward black gully a hundred yards away load tom load quick hold the torch polly cried balzer and again the guns were loaded while poor demented polly held the torch the bear moved away rapidly and in a moment the boys were following him with the loaded guns when the brute reached the mouth of black gully he entered it evidently his home was in that uncanny place quick quick polly cried balzer and within a moment after the bear had entered black gully his pursuers were at the mouth of the ravine making ready for another attack balzer gave a shrill blast upon his whistle and the bear turned for a moment and deliberately sat down upon his haunches not fifty yards away the place looked so black and dismal that the boys at first feared to enter but soon their courage came to their rescue and they marched in with polly in the lead 
the bear moved farther up the gully toward an overhanging cliff whose dark rugged outlines were faintly illuminated by the light of polly's torch the jutting rocks seemed like monster faces and the bare roots of the trees were like the horny fingers and the bony arms of fiends the boys followed the bear and when he came to a halt near the cliff and again sat upon his haunches it was evident that the fire-bear's end was at hand how frightful it all appeared there sat the fire-bear like a burning demon sullen and motionless giving forth every few seconds deep guttural growls that reverberated through the dark cavernous place not a star was seen nor a gleam of light did the overcast sky afford there stood poor piteous polly all his senses fled and gone unconsciously holding his torch above his head the light of the torch seemed to give life to the shadows of the place and a sense of fear stole over balzer that he could not resist let's shoot him again and get out of this awful place said balzer you bet i'm willing to get out said tom his teeth chattering notwithstanding his wonted courage hold the torch polly cried balzer and polly raised the torch the boys were within fifteen yards of the bear and each took deliberate aim and fired the bear moaned and fell forward then balzer and tom started rapidly toward the mouth of the gully when they had almost reached the opening they looked back for polly who they thought was following them but there he stood where they had left him a hundred yards behind them balzer cried polly polly but polly did not move then tom blew his whistle and polly started not towards them alas but toward the bear don't go to him polly cried balzer he may not be dead we've had enough of him to-night for goodness sake we'll come back to-morrow and find him dead but polly continued walking slowly toward the bear polly polly come back cried both the boys but polly by that time was within ten feet of the bear holding his torch and moving with the step of one unconscious of what he was doing a few steps more and polly was by the side of the terrible fire bear the bear revived for a moment and seemed conscious that an enemy was near him with a last mighty effort he rose to his feet and struck polly a blow with his paw which felled him to the ground when polly fell the fire bear fell upon him and balzer and tom started to rescue their unfortunate friend then it was that a terrible thing happened when polly's torch dropped from his hand a blue flame three or four feet in height sprang from the ground just beyond the bear the fire ran upon the ground for a short distance like a serpent of flame and shot like a flash of chain lightning halfway up the side of the cliff the dark jutting rocks huge demon faces covered with ice glistened in the light of the blaze and the place seemed to have been transformed into a veritable genie's cavern the flames sank away for a moment with a low moaning sound and then came up again the color of roses and of blood a great rumbling noise was heard coming from the bowels of the earth and a tongue of fire shot twenty feet into the air this was more than flesh and blood could endure and balzer and tom ran for their lives leaving their poor demented friend behind them to perish out the boys went through the mouth of the gully and across the river they sped upon the ice they felt the earth tremble beneath their feet and they heard the frightful rumbling again then a loud explosion like the boom of a hundred cannons and the country for miles around was lighted as if by the midday sun then they looked back and beheld a sight which no man could forget to the day of his death they saw a bright red flame a hundred yards in diameter and two hundred feet high leap from the black gully above the top of the cliffs 
After a moment, great rocks and pieces of earth half as large as a house began to fall upon every side of them, as if a mighty volcano had burst forth, and the boys clung to each other in fear and trembling and felt sure that Judgment Day had come. After the rocks had ceased to fall, the boys, almost dead with fright, walked a short distance down the river and crossed upon the ice. The fire was still burning in the black gully, and there was no need of Polly's torch to help them see the slippery path among the rocks. The boys soon found the cave in which their horses were stabled. They lost no time in mounting and quickly started home, leading between them the horse which had been ridden by Polly. Poor Polly was never seen again. Even after the fire in the black gully had receded into the bowels of the earth whence it had come, nothing was found of his body, nor that of the fire-bear. They had each been burned to a cinder. Many of the Blue River people did not believe that the fire-bear derived its fiery appearance from supernatural causes. They suggested that the bear probably had made its bed of decayed wood containing fox-fire, and that its fur was covered with phosphorus, which glowed like the light of the firefly after night. The explosion was caused by a pocket of natural gas, which became ignited when Polly's torch fell to the ground by the side of the fire-bear. End of Chapter 8 Recording by Tanika, Madison, Alabama